That's in the Bible, episode 37. Do you have the gift of evangelism? Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear, now is at stake. Humbling your hearts to God, saved from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod, Christians away. Hello and welcome back to That's in the Bible. My name's Eric. Glad you could join us again. Tonight we've got everyone back. And as Steve was saying, it looks like it's going to be a longer show this evening. As well. <laughs> well, we'll have everyone with us. Uh, you see, you were saying something like that last time, weren't you? I did say something like that. Yes, I did. All right, good. As long as as long as Steve's not going away watching basketball, you know. Oh, yeah. Sometimes he watches basketball instead of do other things that are more important. But that's okay. We won't talk about that, for Steve. We all have our hobbies. <laughs> and you know, I, I think we could give him a pass on Game Seven of the NBA Finals. <laughs> was that an important one? Yes, that was a good one. Kobe Bryant, your favorite uh, player, won. Oh, don't start that! Don't start that! Humble man. <laughs> Well, as you can hear, Pastor Strobel's here, Steve's here, and uh, Matt is back from his yes, big birthday is. gala celebration. Matt, why don't you start off and tell us what you've been up to? Uh, not much, just uh, having a good time. I went uh, um, to my mom's in uh, New Jersey and, and kind of uh, took some time there, about four days, and I saw my uh, sister and brother-in-law, and it was nice. I was actually able to take my sister's Bible um, I know you probably remember my sister, Pastor Strobel, from uh, yes. young, going up there in church. And, yep. and uh, so I was able to take uh, her Bible there um, to her in New Jersey, and, uh, and uh, hopefully she'll read it, you know. And, mm-hmm. and I was hoping that that would, you know, it has in the front cover there that she got saved when she was six years old. Um, so I'm just hoping that, that the Holy Spirit will convict her more to get back into church and, and just get back into fellowship with God. And But it was a good time. We, we just had a, a good time of just... Um, you know, really just talking and, and just being together as a family. Um, but, uh, yeah, other than that, um, just been uh, keeping busy studying and uh, went to um, actually hear uh, David uh, Spurgeon uh, preach um, a couple times at um, Bless the him, Lord! <laughs> it was good. It was, he's, uh, if, if anybody's never heard him before, he's, he's really good. He's and, a blessing. Uh, I was right. <laughs> uh, he's, he's, he's great. And just uh, his whole testimony of I was in, in one of the, you know, uh, biggest uh, bike bicycle gangs, you know, and, and it was just a good time. Well, it was wasn't nice. a, wasn't a bicycle, <laughs> I didn't say bicycle gang. gang. <laughs> I didn't say bicycle tricycle. Gang. It's a tricycle gang. <laughs> he would be insulted. <laughs> the guy, he's a tough guy. He's in a bicycle gang. <laughs> hey man, good to have you back, Matt. <laughs> oh man, I gotta say anything. Fuck again. <laughs> I'm done for the rest of the night. I don't want. To- too long, brother Steve. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> uh, right. Brother is a blessing. He really is a blessing. I've heard his testimony and down at uh, Pensacola, and that, that was really something. I enjoyed it. Hey, Amen. I got to hear him recently at um, uh, Gospel Light uh, Baptist Bible Baptist Church as well. But I'll tell you a little story about Brother Spurgeon. I had heard a lot of things about him. I had gotten his testimony track, the original one that they had, which had actually a different picture of him on it than they, than it does now. And I didn't really know anything about him. And, you know, you sometimes can get testimonies like these that are trumped up. And I really wasn't sure what I was getting into and really wasn't sure, you know, if it would be somebody I would connect with or, or anything about him. But um, I was at a blowout in Pensacola, and the one of the scheduled speakers was, um, was delayed in his plane. Brother Spurgeon was attending and they asked him if he would uh, fill in and preach that night. Uh, so he agreed to, and he got up and, and preached, and here's this guy, he's a big, you know, burly character, a man's man, uh, you know, born-again, saved Christian man, just a, just a man. And uh, he's just going to preach what God wanted him to preach. And so I'm expecting, you know, something, you know, spitting fire, chewing nails, and what God wanted him to preach was... Uh, a message on how to make brownies. (laughs) (laughs) 
it, you could tell he wasn't real happy about it. <laughs> but he wasn't, you know, you're going up before that crowd, and this is what, but he said, this is what God gave me, I'm going to preach it. And, so, yeah. and, and he did. And I'm going to tell you, it was good. And, and it was just lessons that he had learned from uh, trying to help his uh, little girl to make uh, brownies when she was about eight years old. And, well, it, it led itself into, you know, following the directions because when all else fails, follow the directions. Mm-hmm. But but it was a real good message. And uh, through that, the Lord just knit my heart together with him, and I've um, enjoyed him ever since. Amen. 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 How about you, Steve? Oh, uh, just keeping busy and, and uh, doing the normal things, but um, uh, was it uh, Saturday? Uh, they have uh, something here in, in the town that I live in called Community Days. It's kind of a their version of, of what most people do on, on 4th of July. They have kind of a little carnival comes in, and, and uh, unfortunately they have a very large beer tent that uh, seems to be more popular than anything else. But on Saturday, they have uh, fireworks, and they, they really put on a, a real, really good show. And a lot of people come from not just our community, but, but uh, from all over to, to view it. And so um, I double-dated with my, my son and his girlfriend. My wife and, and I went out with uh, Dave and, and Lenny, and we went out passing out tracks, uh, before the event and, uh, you know, just going on and asking people if they'd read the track before the fireworks and so forth and got into a couple of conversations and, and, uh, just enjoyed ourselves there. And then, uh, I was, I taught Sunday school and doing evangelism and so forth, the public ministry. And then <clears throat> Dave on a whim decided he wanted to go street preaching down in East Aurora. They were having a, an art festival there. And that's a, a town near us. And uh, uh, he got up there and he talked to a policeman and said, uh, this is what I want to do. Can I do this? And he, he said, yeah. And the policeman left. Little did we realize he went back down to the station. <clears throat> and uh, he got about 10 minutes into it. The, the, the place that he had picked where this art festival was, he was across the street. He wasn't in the, in the grounds of the art festival he said he had great acoustics, <laughs> and Dave's got a pretty big voice, and uh, uh, he preached for about 10 minutes and had a couple people come up to him, very irate. Uh, one was a director and told him to stop, and, and Dave stopped his preaching and, and said, I had permission from the police, I can do this, and so forth, and continued to preach. Then uh, the policeman came back with uh, an ordinance against selling things and hawking things and said, by this ordinance, you can't preach. <laughs> and, um, you know, Dave was, is, uh, he said, is there any way I can challenge this? And he says, well, the only way you can challenge it is to continue to preach, and then I have to write you a citation and go through the thing. So, uh, make a long story short, we're, um, we're going to be uh, uh, going to the proper authorities and and uh, let them know that we want to exercise the the right and the freedom that we have to uh, uh, preach on the street and so forth and and hopefully we can get this thing rectified and and have that freedom and liberty we've been wanting to to have a presence there in that community because it's close to where our church is and um, so we're hoping that we can uh, avoid you know a messy situation here and just allow the uh, the law to to uh, which is in our favor to rule out and and uh, let them know that we're not here to be mean or cruel but uh, to preach the word of god and, and be a help and an asset to the community amen amen and i'm uh, just on my end i am i work in a school and i'm off school so i took advantage of being off and went friday and saturday to see my parents in western new york and came back Sunday for church, and then went up to see Matthew on uh, Monday. Brought me my Revelation of Matthew commentaries. That's right. Awesome. And then we went out to dinner and just kind of got to get some time together. So that was fun. Mm. And Steve, I wanted to ask you, since uh, Pastor uh, or Evangelist uh, Dr. Gipp is going to be appearing at your church soon, 
Mm-hmm. Do you uh, do you have the uh, that's in the Bible ready to go for the interview? Uh, <laughs> I don't have any fancy equipment like you have, but well, I'll I, be uh, there. Oh, you're, I'll have yeah, the you're, fancy you're, equipment with me. So <laughs> we just need you to clear the way. Well, we'll uh, we'll have a chat and uh, see what he says. So <laughs> I, you know, it, it would be really uh, neat for him to do. I, I was thinking about this even before you even asked. Uh, he had he has a new book out. Um, I'm trying to remember the exact title. Uh, is the King James Bible really inspired or something like that? Mm-hmm. The latest book that he has. And uh, right now in in uh, Baptist circles, fundamental circles, that's a real hot topic. And uh, this book, I think, answers that. Uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see if he would would be interested in doing a show on on that. So yeah. I'll ask. I got, All I can do is ask. <laughs> I just got me a copy of that and one for myself. It goes over inspiration and preservation mm-hmm. pretty well. It's short. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not too it's long. Not a long piece, but I think it. Uh, I've been told I haven't read it yet because I've been really studying some other things, trying to get ready for what I've got to do on a weekly basis. To uh, just haven't been able to read it yet, but um, I've been told by a friend that that kind of answers uh, the questions for the issues that are at hand so mm-hmm. and matt's working uh, on those same lines aren't you matt what's that <laughs> using the using the gip you know oh <laughs> yeah me uh nathaniel gip yep i haven't talked to him about it yet but i'll work on him all right, and and also tonight we uh, we had we had mentioned on the last podcast that we had uh, we're thinking of doing a live show, which we are, and we were on talk shoot tonight, just trying to go through and see if we can troubleshoot that, and it looks like that's going to work. So we have tentatively agreed on a date, and do you think I would write that down? Fifteenth. It's going to be June fifteenth at July. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You June guys, 15th. that's what that's Go what ahead. I'm here for, brother. That's June, what I'm here June 15th, for. <laughs> we we already did, and um, <laughs> that was a quick one. So yeah, July 15th. Once I'm out of work, I lose all track of dates. So July 15th at uh, 9:30, and we'll have some more information on the uh, website about that. That's 9:30 Eastern Standard Time, and we'll put some more information on the website about that. But so re- really, consider that first one is gonna. We're just gonna. Do a, a run through and uh, a trial, See and they don't even goes. have to really participate. Some of them can even just come in and just listen if they want to, right? Right. And uh, so, as I understand it, you can participate or even just listen in via phone, or also by logging in on the website. You can listen in and and actually, you can just type in chat, but still hear all the conversation that's going on. Let me just add: it, it may be a trial run for us, but it's it's Lord willing going to be a real program. So. We do want a lot of people to join in and participate, and um, we'll obviously learn more as we go on, but this is one that we hope to record and uh, put on the podcast. That's right. Amen. Amen. So think of your questions now, or those questions maybe you haven't uh, answered or don't have answers for or you've thought about, and it would be a good way to to include those and start uh, being a part of our, our podcast as well. Yes, yes. Please pick your easy questions, and we'll be yeah. <laughs> have mercy. <laughs> I think it would be cool too. I mean, them for them to talk about past shows and and things like that, and and uh, maybe have some questions off a of past show that they never never got answered or something like that. Amen. Amen. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. What else? Anything Usually, else? when you go over studies, you know that it brings up more questions sometimes than we can cover in an mm-hmm. hour or for me to our period Matt has a question but we'll talk about that later what's that that question we were talking about question we were talking about on the bible oh yeah yep. I don't have the question you've got the question you didn't have an answer when I asked <laughs> my, you my, the, I, I have answered the question <laughs> did you I did alright sounds like a courtroom asked and answered <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, anything else for the good of the cause? Good to go. All right. I didn't even hit the cr- crickets. I was being polite. How's that? You try to chime in before you did it. 
<laughs> Trying to time it. <laughs> Give enough dead air for for effect. All right. Well, let's go ahead and and if Pastor Strobel, are you ready? Yes, I am. We'll go ahead and and uh, we'll start with. Uh, do you have the gift of evangelism? Amen. You know, many of God's people today, they're intrigued with the subject of spiritual gifts. Uh, Often they're interested in discovering their own spiritual gifts, and I suppose uh, in light of the subject, that would be a natural thing. And to be sure, uh, spiritual gifts are scriptural. They are, however, often misunderstood and misinterpreted. Back in lesson number 27, Steve did a good job in helping you to sort through the improper application of uh, spiritual gifts. And if you have an interest in the subject and have not heard that, I recommend that you listen to Lesson 27, Fruits, Gifts, Science. In regard to the subject at hand today, uh, we want to examine the question, do you have the gift of evangelism? And before delving into the question, let's be sure that uh, you understand what I'm talking about. Uh, First of all, evangelism, what is it? Uh, Webster in his 1828 dictionary, which is a, a very good uh, resource material, uh, material of resource to be able to look up uh, words, uh, Bible words, etc. But in his 1828 dictionary, Webster defines evangelism very simply as the promulgation of the gospel. The promulgation of the gospel. Now, promulgate, I'll also give you his definition for, is to publish to make known by open declaration. And that's, that's the first part of the definition, which is just uh, the essence of what we're looking at tonight. He says it, it's to publish, to make known by open declaration. So evangelism is a promulgation of the gospel. It's publishing it. It's making it known by open, open declaration. Now, Webster immediately associates evangelism with the gospel. And in fact, the word evangelize It comes from the Greek word for gospel, and that is simply a linguistic fact. That's not a textual argument one way or the other having to do with what the Bible says. It's a simple linguistics. If you check out what uh, the word um, gospel is in Greek, you can see that that's what uh, our word or where our word evangelism comes from. Uh, Simply put, evangelism is this. It's giving the gospel to an individual or a group of people with the hope they will get saved. And I think that's, that's the essence of, of evangelism. We're trying to get out the gospel to somebody, <clears throat> sometimes one person, sometimes a group of people, and we want to get it out to them with, obviously, the ultimate hope that they'll get saved. Now, this includes things like witnessing, passing out tracts, uh, open-air preaching or street preaching, uh, etc., As with many subjects in the Bible, there are opposing views on how this should be done. Evangelizing, that is. There's opposing views on how it should be done, who should do it, or whether it should be done at all. Uh, Some people believe it should only be done when the unsaved person brings up the subject. Uh, These people subscribe to what's called lifestyle evangelism. Some people believe that it shouldn't be done at all because it's offensive and people don't want to hear it. And then some people believe that it's only the preacher, pastor, missionary, or evangelist job to witness. And then some people believe evangelism is exclusively the work of those who have been gifted to do so by God, which could include pastors and missionaries and evangelists, but uh, also other people that uh, God has gifted in this area. Let's take a closer look at each of these positions. First of all, lifestyle evangelism. Once again, this says just live the Christian life in front of people and then wait for them to be impressed by the difference in your life and ask you about why your life is different. Then you have an open door to to give the gospel to them. That's lifestyle evangelism. Now, I want to say that if that really were the only way to evangelize, uh, we would never reach the world with the gospel. I mean, rarely does it happen this way, that somebody's living a Christian life, which we all ought to, they're a good testimony, and then somebody comes up and asks them, you know, I've noticed something different about you. Could you just tell me what it is? Now, it happens occasionally, but um, it doesn't happen uh, often. And it might be that some people get saved that way, and certainly some people have. But by and large, they are the exception and not the rule. Uh, we could never reach the world with the gospel if that was the only way to evangelize. Let me say something else about lifestyle evangelism. The honest truth is, you can't live the Christian life without witnessing. So if you're just going to live the Christian life 
and not witness, the truth is you're not living the Christian life because witnessing is part of the Christian life. Let me give you a good uh, reference to, to consider when, you, when you're thinking about uh, lifestyle evangelism. Psalm 71.15. The psalmist here said, My mouth shall show forth thy righteousness and thy salvation all the day, for I know not the numbers thereof. There, part of showing the Christian life was speaking about salvation uh, with your mouth showing a godly life, a Christian in the Old Testament sense, if you will. But, but it was showing forth the salvation of the Lord with your mouth. So you're, part of showing what a Christian is like is um, opening up your mouth and speaking up uh, for the Lord. All right, the second position was that um, some people believe evangelism shouldn't be done at all. It's they find it offensive. They know other people find it offensive. People get upset about it. They think nobody wants to hear it. In regard to that, the Bible says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it was the Lord Jesus uh, who said to the disciples, But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Here the Lord Jesus Christ instructs the disciples to witness. So obviously somebody is supposed to be a witness uh, for him. The last two positions we're going to answer together, um, they, they kind of go together as we already uh, intimated. They were as follows. It's only the preacher, pastor, missionary, or evangelist job to witness, and the other one is evangelism is exclusively the work of those who have been gifted by God to do so. As I said, that could include the preacher, pastor, uh, missionary, and evangelist. Now, this really brings us to the essence of our title question, which is, do you have the gift of evangelism? And that's what some people believe, that some people have the gift uh, and some people don't. The implications of the question are, if you do have the gift, then you should evangelize. And then secondly, if you don't have the gift of evangelism, you should leave evangelizing to those others who are gifted in that area. To answer the question, uh, we should first note one very important thing. And then I will mention several others, but to answer the question, number one, in all of the Bible references to spiritual gifts, evangelism is never listed as one of the gifts. Now, you can check it out for yourself, and I'm not going to read you all these references or all the verses, but I'm going to give you the references where you can look them up yourself, and Steve will have covered these in that previous uh, lesson. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 to 11, mentions spiritual gifts, but not the gift of evangelism. 1 Corinthians 12, 28 gives another listing. 1 Corinthians 12, 29 through 30, another. And in no place does it mention the gift of evangelism. Now, for time's sake, I'm not going to go through this, but I'm going to include in my show notes some additional comments on Ephesians chapter 4, which will be at the end of the show notes at the bottom, and you can see that. But uh, suffice it to say right now that um, in the, all the Bible references to spiritual gifts, evangelism is never listed as one of the gifts. That being said, let me give you a hypothetical situation. Number two, let's suppose evangelism was a gift. If evangelism was a gift, it would still be available to all that desire it. Sometimes people get thinking that um, the, the certain gifts, you know, when you get the list of gifts, that only certain people can have those gifts. I want to give you something to consider. 1 Corinthians 14.1 tells us to desire spiritual gifts. And 1 Corinthians 12.31 says this, covet earnestly the best gifts. You know, if I didn't have a particular gift and that was one of the best gifts, I could still covet to have that. I could desire to have it. I could pray that God would give it to me. If there were such thing as the gift of evangelism, it would certainly be one of the best gifts. I mean, being able to give people the gospel so they can be saved from hell, that'd be one of the best gifts. I could then covet it. <laughs> I could desire it. There may be some people that are better at evangelizing than other people, but that, but that doesn't mean they're the only ones that are supposed to do it. <clears throat> now, again, this point here is just hypothetical in regard to desiring spiritual gifts because it's clear, as we've already said from the listings, that evangelism is not uh, in, in the list of spiritual gifts in the Bible. And uh, I want to say, thirdly, on, in, in this regard, you do not need a gift of evangelism because you have in the Bible a command of evangelism. 
As a matter of fact, you have several. So really, our title question, do you have the gift of evangelism, um, whatever you think in that regard is, is, is immaterial. If you think, okay, yeah, I have, I have the gift of evangelism, I can, I, I'm, I'm, I can witness, or I don't have the gift of evangelism, so I'm not supposed to witness. Whatever you think about that is immaterial because regardless of whether or not you've got a gift for evangelizing, you have a command for evangelizing. As a matter of fact, in the Bible, you have several commands for evangelizing. Uh, we've already considered Acts chapter 1, verse 8. How about Mark sixteen fifteen? And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, somebody might say, well, those two cases, that was just for the apostles. Well, I, I, the apostles were set forth, number one, as an example for us. But uh, let's, we'll, we'll, if we give in on that, let's just go a little bit further. Let me give you something that wasn't just to the apostles. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 17. Familiar portion of Scripture which starts with, Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Goes on to say, and all things are of God who hath reconciled, I want you to notice the word us, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Paul says the Lord's reconciled us to himself. He's including not only himself, the Apostle Paul, but also the Corinthians to whom he's writing. And he says that the Lord's reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, which would include Paul and those to whom he is writing, the Corinthians, who back just um, in 1 Corinthians were a bunch of spiritual babies. Hopefully they've grown now to this point, by this point, and um, uh, can take on some uh, more mature spiritual responsibility. He goes on and says, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Not just Paul, not just the apostles, not just pastors, but all Christians not just missionaries, not just evangelists, but everybody who's saved. He goes on and says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. And so uh, there, Paul was pretty clear, pretty clear about um, the fact that it wasn't just him, but it was also the Corinthians to whom he was writing that uh, uh, we were, or that, that were to be engaged in the work of evangelizing. And then here, God records it in the scriptures to give us instructions in the New Testament church. We too uh, are to be part of that number who witness, who evangelize, who tell other people the gospel. So, uh, another thing in regard to this is, in fact, you're going to find in the scriptures, it is the responsibility, beyond any shadow of a doubt, of every Christian. To witness. I want to show you something from Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, I'll begin reading in verse number 1. This is just after the death of Stephen, and Saul, it says, and Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. I want you to notice what he says there when he says, except the apostles. They were all scattered abroad. Who is the they? In the verse, it's the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they, the church which was at Jerusalem, were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea, except the apostles. So the church, minus the apostles, was scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea. Skip on down to verse number four. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. It says the ones that were scattered abroad went everywhere, and what were they doing? Preaching the word. Right? Who was scattered abroad? It was the church minus the apostles. And it was then the church minus the apostles that went everywhere in the regions of Judea preaching the word. All right, let's look a little further in the chapter and see specifically what they're preaching. Verse number five. Then, right after this, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. What they were preaching when they went everywhere preaching the word was Jesus Christ. Look at verse number 12. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. 
Philip and the others were out preaching Jesus. They're preaching the word of God. They're preaching the gospel. Look at verse 25. And they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. The ones that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word, and these were the things they were preaching. Look at verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Verse 40. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. He went everywhere, all these cities, all these places. He went everywhere, and the, the others that were from the church went everywhere preaching the word. And uh, that shows us, folks, it's not just the job of the apostles. It's not just the job of the leaders in the church, but the job of every Christian uh, to witness. For every, uh, the church is made up of all kinds of people, just, uh, just your normal, average, everyday born-again Christian is part of the church, and it was those people that went everywhere preaching the word. Uh, this is Acts. Uh, this is New Testament Christianity. This is how we're supposed to live. Let's take it a step further. If you will, look in your Bibles in Ephesians chapter 6. In Ephesians chapter 6, you have a listing of uh, what's called the armor of God. The armor of God is our defense as well as our offense in the uh, spiritual warfare in which we are engaged. And part of that armor, we're told, number one, to put it on, or to put it, put it on so that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And part of that armor is in verse 15, where it says, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We are to stand, and we're to have our loins girded about with truth, we're to have on the breastplate of righteousness, and we're to have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That is, upon our spiritual feet, we are to be wearing our spiritual shoes, or if you will, our gospel boots. The Christian's combat boots are having his feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What is that? That's being prepared to preach the gospel wherever you go. That is part of your armor. Don't ever, uh, don't ever miss this. Don't ever forget that if you're going to be fully protected, you're going to have to have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The Christian armor is given to every Christian. The book of Ephesians uh, was not just addressed to church leaders. The book of Ephesians uh, is for uh, anybody that's saved. It's addressed to the, to the faithful in Christ Jesus, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. And by the way, just because you're a saint doesn't necessarily mean you're one of the faithful in Christ Jesus, but you ought to be. And he addressed it to all saved people. And all saved people ought to have on the armor of God. And if you're going to have on the armor of God, then you are going to uh, have to have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You're going to have to be prepared to preach it. You're going to have to be engaged in getting out the gospel. You're going to have to do the work of evangelism. And if you don't, you don't have all your armor on. And you give uh, place to the devil, which the Lord had told you not to do back in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 27. Neither give place to the devil. Let me give you um, another thought that uh, springs forth from here. As he says, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In the book of the Song of Solomon, you have a discourse between the bridegroom, Solomon, and his bride. Uh, folks that study the Bible understand this to be a picture of Jesus Christ, uh, the bridegroom, and the New Testament church, his bride. And in Song of Solomon, chapter 7, at the beginning of verse number 1, the groom says to the bride, How beautiful are thy feet with shoes, O prince's daughter. How beautiful are thy feet with shoes. You know, um, when uh, a modern person looks at this and sees this as a love letter of sorts to, from, a, from a man to a woman, they, they might just think that's kind of, that's kind of bad poetry. You know, that's, that's rough. What are you trying to, you know, you know what the girl would think. Well, how beautiful are thy feet with shoes? Well, what's the matter with my feet without shoes, you know? But, but there's a lesson here. Don't miss the lesson. How beautiful are thy feet with shoes, O prince's daughter. Here we are, uh, the bride of Jesus Christ, and our feet are beautiful when they've got shoes on. Ephesians 6.15 tells us what those shoes are. The shoes are the preparation of the gospel of peace. You take um, those two words, that little bitty phrase, how beautiful. It shows up three times in the Bible. Here's the first one. Let me read you the other two. Isaiah 52, 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, 
that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, thy God reigneth. And again, Romans 10, 15, and how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. How beautiful indeed, how beautiful indeed, how beautiful are thy feet with shoes, O prince's daughter. It's the preparation of the gospel of peace. It's in, in being engaged in the work of uh, getting out the gospel. That's what it's about. This is a job of every Christian. Revelation 22, verse 16 and 17. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Hey, let me ask you this. Are you part of the bride? If you're saved, you're part of the bride. Are you part of the bride? Are you reaching out to a lost and dying world and saying, come and take the water of life freely? According to the Lord Jesus Christ, the bride says, come. And the spirit and the bride say, come. A, if you're filled with the spirit, then you should be saying, come. Uh, B, if you're part of the bride of Christ, you ought to be saying, come, because the spirit and the bride say, come. The Lord Jesus Christ said in John chapter 7, verse 37, First, it, it, it uh, introduces it. It says, in, that, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. That's a pretty good example. Christ is our Savior. He's also our example. Let me ask you this. Are you following his example? He said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Are you telling others to come to him? Are you saying, Come and take the water of life freely? How about the Apostle Paul? The Apostle Paul said in um, Philippians 3, verse 17, that he also was our example. He said it like this, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which so walk. Let me start again. Brethren, be, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk, so as ye have us for an example. Paul says, I'm, I'm an example to you, and then the other people that walk with me, they're in samples to you. We're going to show you a sample of how a Christian ought to live, a sample of what a Christian's like. Let me give you his example. Let me give you his sample. Romans chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. Paul said, so as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel. How about you? How about you? Is that your attitude? He said, so as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Let me say this, friends, don't you be ashamed of Jesus and don't you be ashamed of the gospel. I'm amazed when we get out in public. Uh, we encountered, for example, a man the other night who said something like this, and, and, and uh, unfortunately he's not the only one we've heard say things like this. He says things when we're out there publicly proclaiming the gospel. He said uh, something like, uh, you know, I, I get this when I'm in church, or I get, I get God in church, and I get the Bible in church, or I get all my religion in church, and I get enough of it there. I don't need it out here. You know what the problem is? The problem is you're ashamed of Jesus. Problem is you want to hide in a church and hide your religion in a church and punch the clock, you know, for about an hour a week and, and think you're a good Christian. I'm gonna tell you something, there's more to being a good Christian than just going to church once a week. If you are if you're ashamed to to acknowledge that you know Jesus Christ out of outside the church, then uh, you better be ready because in Mark chapter eight, verse thirty eight, he said when he comes, he's gonna be ashamed of you. He said, Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. Of him, shall, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. There's no need to be ashamed of Jesus. Listen, he, he went to the cross despising the shame, but he was, still wasn't too ashamed to shed his blood and die on the cross openly for you. Why would you be ashamed of him? No, the truth of the matter is the reason why people don't like to publicly witness many times is because deep down they're ashamed to be identified publicly with Jesus Christ. They love the praise of men more than the praise of God. If you're ever going to be a good Christian, if you're ever going to, going to graduate uh, from spiritual, being a spiritual baby, graduate from spiritual kindergarten, they, they have kindergarten graduations now, you know. If you're ever going to graduate from spiritual kindergarten, you're going to have to die to what other people think about you. 
And if you're going to be a witness, you're going to have to just die to, to worrying about what other folks think uh, about you. And go ahead and, and be, let them think you're a fool for Jesus. We're fools for Christ's sake. I'd rather be his fool than the devil's fool. Uh, don't be ashamed of Jesus, and don't be ashamed of the gospel. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner. It must not suffer loss. Let me give you three main reasons for witnessing. Number one, you ought to witness for God because he commands us to witness, and that's what we've just been looking at. We looked at a number of those commands. Folks, this in itself is reason enough to witness because God told us to. He's God. We're his people. What he says goes. If it rubs our flesh the wrong way, well, then our flesh needs to be rubbed the wrong way. So it's like old Sam Jones used to say about people get upset with his preaching, and, and he says, well, if the preaching rubs you the wrong way, turn the cat around and rub you the right way. We ought to witness for God. We ought to witness because he commands us to. We ought to witness because of our love and our appreciation for what God has done for us. A passage I read you before from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. If you'll go back and look at that sometime, read verses 14 and 15, you'll read how that the love of Christ constrains us so that we'll serve the Lord. His love ought to constrain you to want to tell other people about him. You know, I, I don't even know if this is real, gigantic spiritual maturity. When I was a spiritual baby, I mean, I'd only been saved. I, I'd just been birthed. I'd have been saved for maybe an hour or less. And I remember telling the preacher, you know, I know a lot of other people that need to know Jesus. And I remember going home that first night and trying to um, uh, talk to a loved one about the Lord. It seems to be a natural thing that when you get saved, uh, you want to tell people about Jesus because you found the answer to the cancer of sin and the entry to heaven, and you want other people to know about it. You ought to witness, folks, number one, for God, and this leads me to number two, you ought to witness for others because there's people out there that are lost, they're dying, and they're headed to devil's hell. The hell, hell was prepared for the devil and his angels, and there's all kinds of people that are headed there. I'm going to tell you, we, we never know when they're going to go either. People die at all different ages. And uh, when it, back in the Old Testament, when it came time for somebody to fight Goliath, you know what David said? He said, is there not a cause? He knew there was. The other people didn't. He didn't worry about the fact that nobody else was doing it. He just got up and did what needed to be done. One of the great causes for witnessing is that the majority of people on this earth are headed for hell, and somebody needs to tell them how to get saved. Thank God somebody told us. Thank God somebody opened up their mouth and, and let us know how to be saved. The Bible tells us that straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. But wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth unto destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. There's all kinds of ways to hell, but only one way to heaven. Uh, there's one way to heaven, that way is Jesus Christ. Folks need to know about him. Jesus said, if I, I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. It's our job to lift them up from the earth so that other people can see that he's the answer. Not just an answer, but the answer. People are constantly being pulled by the world like water draining into a sewer with no grate. When they finally go down the drain, they wind up in a, in a devil's hell, and somebody needs to tell them before it's too late. Jesus said, work, for the night cometh when no man can work. You ought to, you ought to witness for others. That's, that includes the lost. Let me tell you this, too. You ought to witness also for the saved. You know, by witnessing to the lost, you can also be an encouragement to the saved people. Just a saved person observing you witness, uh, that can be a, an encouragement to them. I find other people encouraged when they find uh, me witnessing sometimes. And uh, you say, what about those that aren't encouraged? Don't worry about them. In your witnessing, you may encounter somebody that you're trying to witness to and find that that person is already saved. And sometimes um, I've dealt with saved people who genuinely were saved and they had a good testimony of salvation, but you know what they didn't have? They didn't have the assurance of their salvation. And having, gone, having dealt with them and going through this, I'm able to show them verses on assurance, and, um, and they go away rejoicing when we're done. <laughs> and you might find somebody that's not even attending a church, but they're saved. And then you can invite them to the churches you go to. And as I said, it, it often encourages other Christians in your church as well as in public when they see somebody else who's witnessing. And this might embolden them to witness also. So we ought to witness for God. We also ought to witness for others. And let me say, you ought to witness for yourself as well. 
Witnessing stirs up the Holy Spirit inside the Christian. The Spirit desires to exalt Jesus. He desires to tell other people about him. When you get filled with the Spirit, uh, one of the one of the things that uh, fringe benefit is is you get all the benefits of the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, you'll get the love, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering, and those are the things that go along with it. And that's a, that's a blessing. That's a blessing for yourself. Uh, I know a lot of Christians out there who could use a good dose of love. I know a lot of Christians out there who could use a good dose of joy. I know a lot of Christians out there who could use a good jo- dose of peace. But tell you what, you get speaking up for Jesus out there in a public uh, setting, and the Holy Spirit just kind of comes alive inside of you, as it were. He fills you. And uh, once you're done, it's like you go walking away on the air, especially when somebody gets saved. But even when they don't, it does something for you. It does something that you need. <clears throat> Witnessing, as I said before, is also part of the Christian's armor. So for your own protection— to keep yourself protected from the adversary, you need to witness. Otherwise, you're giving place to the devil. You're giving him an open door. You're vulnerable. You stop and think about it. The, the Christian's armor uh, for preaching the gospel, it covers his feet. You stop and think about a person in combat. They wear boots so that they can run over rough terrain. They wear boots so that their feet will be protected. If their feet get blown out from underneath them or injured uh, to, a, to a degree, uh, it can keep them from being able to run. We've got a race we're supposed to run. We cannot run it properly. We cannot run it consistently. We cannot run it to the end without having our gospel boots on. And let me tell you this, too. Somebody, some of you that, that think, well, I can't witness because I don't have the gift of evangelism, and I've heard that. I, I say that because I've heard people use that as an excuse. Um, I want you to know that everybody has the ability to be able to witness. We've all got the capacity to do it. You've got it. You just need to turn it loose. It's a matter of dying to yourself. Even if you don't know everything there is to know about witnessing, I'm tell you something. If you're saved, what you can do, you can give your testimony and tell other people how you got saved. Paul did this more than one in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 22, verses 1 through 16. Acts chapter 26, verses 1 through 18. Paul's out there just giving his testimony. You can always do that. I'm going to tell you what, if, if, if you're saved, there's something in you that wants to bring other people to Jesus. And if you don't know all the ins and outs of witnessing, you can bring somebody to somebody else who can lead them to the Lord. You know, the woman at the well did this, John chapter 4, verses 28 through 30. So if you can't do it yourself, you can, you can bring them to somebody else. You can bring them to your pastor. You could set up a, a meeting with them and your pastor. Uh, I'm sure your pastor would enjoy that having the opportunity to sit down with somebody that wants to know about being saved, you, you can make the appointment, and then um, uh, he can close the sale. <laughs> I'll tell you something else you can do. You can pass out gospel tracts. This is certainly part of evangelism. The parable of the sower, the sower sowed the word of God. And um, Jesus Christ uh, gave that parable in Mark chapter 4. You can read about it in Matthew 13 as well, and uh, also, I believe, in Luke chapter 8. You read the parable of the sower, and in Isaiah 55, 11, God promises us that his word will, will be used to accomplish his purpose, and it will not return unto him void. So you pass out a gospel tract, something that's got scriptures in it that tells about how to be saved, and that'll sow the seed. And somebody can get saved just by reading a gospel tract. I had a guy call me um, about two years or so after I'd given him a gospel tract and told me he got saved from it. There's amazing, amazing stories, and I'm sure that we don't even know the half of it. And part of the joy of getting to heaven will be getting up there and finding out how many people got saved that we witnessed to or that we passed out tracks to, and we never even found out about it to, down here on this earth. And uh, let me say this, too. Ultimately, you ought, to, you ought to grow. You ought to grow up as a Christian. You ought to mature. You ought to graduate. And you ought to get to the place where you can present the plan of salvation. And that's going to take some study. It's going to take some work. But learn to do it. Learn to present the plan of salvation. I will include in our show notes a simple um, five-point outline that you can remember about witnessing in, to somebody. And I'll give you a, a scripture uh, for uh, each point, and some of them I'll give you two. And, and you can, you can uh, learn this, and this is a good starting place. I, I when I witness, I, I have the skeleton uh, of this outline in mind, and I go through these things, and I use different scriptures. I use the scriptures, very scriptures that I've given you very often, uh, but additionally, I'll add others as necessary. And and if you can have this outline in mind, just memorize the outline, or even write it down someplace where you can uh, write it in the, in the back of your Bible, your soul winning New Testament, and um, and just go through this. 
and then take them through these points and get them to understand these things, uh, you can be a witness for Jesus Christ. And then you can invite them to get saved. And uh, again, as you learn, as you get comfortable with this, you'll be able to add more scriptures and improvise a little bit. But when you're witnessing, go through, go through these things and, and don't get too far off track. You know, some, they'll ask all, these, all kinds of questions. Get them right back to the gospel. And let me say, folks, there's all kinds of opportunities for witnessing, too. Um, the opportunities and places for witnessing are as vast as the world and its population. If you will pray and you will look for opportunities to witness, you will find them. You can witness to relatives, friends, neighbors, workmates, classmates. You can even go up to somebody you've never met before and engage them in a conversation and begin to witness. You know, a good way to turn a conversation that you've already got going with somebody to witnessing is by uh, one of two things. Uh, Give them a gospel tract. That'll break the spiritual ice. Uh, another thing is you can ask them this question. Hey, if you, if you were to die today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? If the person says he's not, ask him if he'd like to know he's going to heaven. If he says he would, you could ask him um, if, if you could take a moment and, and tell him how to get there. Show him from the Bible how to do that. And then if they say yes, and guess what? Sometimes they will. Then go to it. Give them the gospel. And even if they say no, you still might be able to keep the conversation going and, and just get some witnessing done by, by uh, quoting these things. And I'll tell you what, in addition to witnessing, you know, whenever the opportunity arises or you see an open door, uh, it was the practice of the early church to go out in an organized fashion. And so it is in uh, many of our churches today that we still practice this. Uh, Paul preached um, and talked about going out uh, publicly and from house to house. And that's what he did. He witnessed publicly and from house to house. And, and if you want to see this, you can look in Acts chapter 20 and verse 20. The Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. Acts 20, 20. There's, there's good vision, 20, 20 vision, 20, 20 spiritual vision. Uh, he, could, he went uh, and declared these things publicly and from house to house. And what did he declare? Acts 20, verse 21. He preached repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. That what he was, that's what he was doing. And then Paul continued witnessing. In Acts uh, 26, verse 22 and 23, he declared that he continued witnessing. And I want to say this as we close. Uh, you ought to continue witnessing. Don't give up. Don't stop. Witnessing, um, you might, you, you'll find a lot of people that don't want to listen. But if you will keep doing it, you'll find somebody that does want to li- does want to listen. And it's worth it to find that one person. In this day and age, when many are criticizing Christians for witnessing, and many are uh, many times Christians are joining right in with that crit- criticism, uh, don't you be discouraged. Uh, you just keep standing up and standing up for the Lord Jesus Christ. And lift up that uh, royal banner so it doesn't suffer loss. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. Let's keep on witnessing. Uh, when you get to heaven, you'll be glad you did. Galatians 6, 9 says, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So the question was, do you have the gift of evangelism? The answer is, who cares? You've got a command to evangelize. Now get busy about the master's business. Hey, Amen. It's a good thing I had my mic muted because yeah, me too. I was hooping and hollering. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready to go now. Let's go. We're, we're in a church service here. Yeah. That was good. That was good. Uh, good amen. Up. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's good to be saved. Amen. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. You know, Pastor Strobel, you were talking about in, in the beginning about the, the those that... Uh, adhere to the lifestyle evangelism and you know there there's an element of truth in that i mean in any form of evangelism that we have our lifestyle should exemplify the lord jesus christ yes it should but what they're you know obviously those that that are proponents of that kind of evangelism if you watch them and I've seen them over the years. I've worked in factories, worked construction and so forth, and I've seen them. And, and you know what they really are? They're secret disciples. Yes. Uh, they're, they're undercover agents. They, they want to be known in one respect, but they really don't want to be known because they don't want everyone's eyes really glazed upon them to find every flaw that they have. Amen. The best, you know, you've mentioned it, the best way for someone to... Um, uh, have people watch them and watch how they live is to say something to them at the beginning. Give them a gospel track or say, hey, uh, you know, I just want to let you know I'm a born-again Christian and uh, I'm praying for you. 
Uh, that'll get people to watch your lifestyle big time. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, is that, and and understand me when I say this, and I I know what you were using as far as your outline, but a lot of people have made uh, evangelism about them, and what I mean by that is that they're nervous, they're afraid, they're uncomfortable, they can't talk. Uh, they criticize others for doing it because they're doing it the wrong way, yet they won't do it. <laughs> uh, and they've made it all about them, and, and all it is is excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse. Because, as you pointed out, they're ashamed of Jesus Christ, uh, and they're afraid. So, yeah, amen. Amen. Uh, yeah, I guess I'll just say this one more thing and I'll let the other guys get in there. But, you know, can we be so callous? Uh, knowing that people uh, that are without the Lord, their spiritual house is on fire. I mean, they're going to go to hell when they die. And if we were to to drive down the street and see a house on fire and not, you know, we don't want to bother somebody. We don't want to interrupt their day. We don't want to, you know, we're we're a little nervous or shy, and we don't want to go up and knock on pound on that door and let people know that there's danger uh, you know, the correlation is, is directly the same in the spiritual realm. Uh, people are going to hell, and we're afraid to go knock on the door because we don't want to interrupt them. We don't want to offend them. We don't want to, you know, have them get angry with us. Uh, you know, we, it's not about even us. <laughs> it's about the Lord and about his command and about souls going to hell. Amen. And uh, we need to be bold for our God and testify of his saving grace. Yeah, I think about also the past trouble, how you were talking about, uh, you know, a lot of people say, well, that was maybe just for the uh, apostles or disciples. Or I hear that a lot from people, especially when I'm out street preaching or, or going door knocking or just passing out tracks. Uh, if I talk to some Christians, they, they most of them all say, you know, that, that are against it. They say, well, that was just to... Uh, the apostles and disciples, so really it's only for the pastors and all that, you know, and, and it doesn't apply to us. So everything, you know, all the commands to witness, you, you've definitely showed uh, more than that also, that, that it's definitely our job uh, as Christians to witness. But, but when I look at that, I mean, you go back to Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, and uh, Jesus says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So, I mean, Jesus Christ says, whatever I've commanded you to do, you know, to the uh, apostles and disciples, he said, now teach other men to do it, uh, and then for them to pass it down and for them to do it. Amen. And, you know, when you look through the Gospels, you see, you know, Jesus Christ told his disciples uh, when they were trying to bury some, uh, some dead, he said, you know, let the dead bury the dead, go and preach the kingdom of God. And that's in Luke chapter 9, verse 60. Uh, he also said that uh, in Luke chapter 14, verse 23 says go into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled uh he says to go out you know he doesn't say let them come in he says go out in the highways and the hedges and uh you've also got uh, matthew chapter 10 verse 27 uh preach upon the housetops uh mark chapter 1 verse 17 he says that he wants to be make them fishers of men to go out and Amen. get them Amen. and uh and mark chapter 6 verse 12 go out and preach that all men should repent I mean, you just have it all throughout the Gospels, and, and Jesus Christ told them, hey, this is what we got to do. We got to go out. We got to uh, win some souls, and we got to uh, train them up, teach them, and, and have them observe all things, especially preach the Gospel. And, and uh, that, that's what you get a lot. Is, and I think a lot of people, um, I know when I first got saved, uh, the assistant pastor at the church I was going to, um, you know, I really, really had the Gospel where I just wanted to tell people about it, uh, but I was, I was afraid. You know, and, and uh, he showed me this verse. He showed me Acts chapter 4, and uh, this passage, Acts chapter 4, verse 18. And this is where they're, the Peter and John uh, were preaching, and, and the elders and the rulers and all those, and the scribes were saying, well, we got to do something with these guys. And it says in verse 18, And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. I mean, if we've been saved, if we've seen the Lord Jesus Christ um, and, and have accepted him as our Savior, our life has been changed. And, uh, and he brought about the point about all these uh, um, 
like football players that have spinal cord injuries. Uh, I think about uh, Christopher Reeve when he had that spinal injury. Uh, his whole life changed, and it changed to just uh, trying to work on a cure for spinal cord injury. And uh, all his resources went right to that. And I think about us. I mean, if we're saved, if we've, our lives have changed, uh, we can't help but speak the things which we have seen and heard. You know, we've seen Jesus Christ. We've heard his word. We've accepted him as our Savior. Uh, we should speak it. And we should tell people about it and, and, uh, and not keep it to ourselves. Amen. 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 <clears throat> and, and, you know, those that say that uh, it's too scary or they're, they don't feel comfortable doing it, well, it's just like anything. You know, it takes it takes a little bit of practice. It, maybe it does take a little bit of a push to get yourself out the door the first time. But the more you do it, the easier it becomes. And you know what? If you if you find yourself kind of in a spiritual doldrum where you're just, eh, get out there and start talking to people about the Lord and and uh, opening up uh, opening up the Bible and and answering questions that they might have and and or, or even things that they might say against the Bible. You know, it, it drives you into the book. I mean, you want to, you get it, you get excited about it. Like, Amen. You're like, oh man, he had that question. I wasn't sure where to go with that. So I'm going back and I'm going to study. And, you know, it <laughs> yeah. just, it, it, it adds a, a real element uh, that um, I think is if you don't, if you're not doing that, you, you, I don't know why you're not doing that, but if you're not <laughs> doing that, out. you know, yeah. if, if you're not doing it, it, it Christianity, I think, can just become a um, just a mental exercise versus you know part of your life. Social club. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about it too, Dad. About you know you get to the point where most all the questions get to be the same after a while. Yeah, you know, very I mean, often after that. you've they go through maybe about twenty different questions, and then it kind of runs through. Every once in a while, you get a question maybe you haven't heard in you know a long time or ever. But most of the time, it's always about well, what about the you know people that have never heard the heathen. Uh, what about those that are too young, you know, to understand? And once you get all those questions down, it's just over and over. You can you can hone in your skills on them and, and get the answers as quick as possible and, and uh, clear and concise as you can. And after a while, it's just, you know, you, you can see there's nothing new under the sun. I mean, uh, all the questions are the same. Every question that man has about where they're going to go when they die. And uh, once you get that, I mean, you know, after, you know, 20 times of going out, you're going to hear most of the questions that you would hear. Mm-hmm. Amen. And Eric made made a good point earlier as well about um, you know being afraid and kind of pushing yourself. And you know we talk about it, and and we don't want you to think just because we talk about doing it and that we believe in doing it and that we do it that we think we're spiritual giants. There are times still when my flesh doesn't want to go out there. Amen. I was Amen. Tell, telling some folks the other night though. Here's what I find out that the degree of success that I wind up having oftentimes on soul winning and visitation is usually proportionate to the uh, degree to which I don't want to go out before I go. <laughs> because it seems like the devil fights the hardest. Yeah. And, yeah. Then, and I remember when I first started, too, I, I, I was intimidating. I, the first time I ever went door-to-door, um, I went up there, and I just hoped that nobody was home. <laughs> and they weren't at the first door. <laughs> Eventually, somebody was. Mm-hmm. But but you, you learn by doing. And uh, I, I did want to add, if if you're fighting with that, why don't you memorize Second Timothy one seven? For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, mm. but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen. You were talking earlier about the the love of Christ constraineth us in in regard to the the ministry of reconciliation. And one of the things that helps me visualize that is uh, Hebrews chapter uh, thirteen, verses twelve and thirteen. It says, "Wherefore Jesus also." that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. Amen. And uh, it makes no difference what people say uh, about us or about what we do or, or how we're doing it. Uh, you know, we're supposed to go out and bear his reproach. I mean, he hung naked on a cross so that we could have salvation. Uh, the least we can do is go out there and tell him something. I mean, uh, Pastor Strobel mentioned it, you know, the nerves, the butterflies, they all, I, I don't care if, if you're getting up, going to street preach, or you're going to knock on somebody's door, you're handing somebody a track, those butterflies are still there. You just have to get past that. And once you do, it gets, it, it gets easier. It's just like standing up in front of people and saying something. I mean, you think about it, and you go, oh, I can never do that. 
once you start, you're good to go. <laughs> yeah. So you just have to keep that in mind, and and you know, let it be a spiritual thing that that compels you to go on and and do the right thing, uh, such as this. I guess you could say visualization of of knowing that the Lord suffered without the gate, and we're supposed to go out there with Him. Amen. Amen. I think also too about the nerves. About you know, you, you talk to soldiers uh, before they go out to war, or when uh, you know bullets start flying, uh, they say their nerves are are flying. You know, they're they're scared and and uh, they get into that warfare. But then they're even sharper, though. You know, they're they're. Uh, nerves kick in and and that's the same thing i mean we're soldiers of the lord and uh, like pastor Strobel will say when you get nervous when you kind of get butterflies you're actually sharper you're on the uh you're on edge and uh, ready to answer questions and i think the lord moves even better amen and you know that there are, are the song that we use for the intro and outro is jesus is coming soon you know we don't know how much time we have left before the return of christ before the rapture and we only have these really moments to, to do something now. So, I was playing the music, Matt, to cut you off. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I thought Steve, uh, you know, told you to do it. He did. He messaged me and said, start yeah. the music now, Matt. Start. <laughs> That's what I figured. That's all right, Steve. I forgive you again. I'm taking the high road on this one, buddy. <laughs> Steve's watching the game. Yeah, Steve, uh, let us know when the basketball game is over. It's, it's 55 to 54. Same, told you. <laughs> All right, so we getting together. Is it not until then the 15th? I believe that's like right. It. All right, 15th for the live call-in show. We'll have the information up on the website. And I don't know if you checked news and more, Steve. I did put up the uh, Jason's graduation pictures. I did. I saw those. Those are great. Uh, amen. All right, well, Lord willing, we'll see everyone back soon. Pastor Strobel, you going to report into us from Alaska? I will try. We'll maybe get a little uh, audio or video put up. Mm-hmm. All right, amen. See you guys next time. Hey, bye. All of the dead shall rise, righteous in the skies. Go with her, go where no one dies. Heaven word This has been a production of the That's in the Bible podcast. To leave a comment or to ask a question, visit our website at thatsinthebible.com or email us at thatsinthebible at gmail.com or call our listener feedback voicemail at 716-584-1611. Again, that's 716-584-1611. As always, thanks for listening and press on.